Tonight, chaos in the U.S. Congress on the second day of a grueling Republican standoff. Kevin McCarthy and a messy marathon for votes. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. The impact of a damaging delay. Congress that can't function is just embarrassing. Growing concerns over a COVID subvariant dubbed the Kraken. This one is even more infectious. The science as Canada tracks the spread. Plus, from shame to celebration. They could all stand in pride. The girl who inspired the first National Ribbon Skirt Day. It is a sacred acknowledgement. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. We begin tonight with a dramatic showdown in one of the world's longest standing democracies and the political paralysis that is gripping America. This was the scene on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives late tonight after lawmakers failed to elect a speaker for the second straight day. A razor-thin majority voted to adjourn until tomorrow. The last time it took this long to elect a speaker in the U.S. was a century ago. Without one, no lawmakers can be sworn in and therefore no laws can be passed. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin on a country struggling to get its house in order. My colleagues, well, it's Groundhog Day. You can say that again. House Republicans unable to end the political chaos tried to vote a fourth time. A speaker has not been elected. And then a fifth. A speaker has not been elected. Kevin McCarthy suffering defeat six times. No closer to winning enough votes to take the top leadership job, a powerful post second in line to the president. Sure, it looks messy, but democracy is messy. A small group of right-wing Republican rebels in open revolt, part of the never-Kevins who just don't trust McCarthy, ignoring former President Donald Trump's plea to vote for Kevin and close the deal. Even Colorado conservative Lauren Boebert, unmoved by the man she calls her favorite president. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. Rebel Republicans tossing other names into the ring for consideration, including Byron Donalds of Florida, who voted for himself and says he's not scared of retribution. Man, I'm 6'2", 275. I'm not worried about that. So just how much humiliation can McCarthy take, defiant and digging in for the long haul? Still have the most votes, so we could go through every Guys, name in the conference and at the end of the day, we'll be able to get The dysfunction prompting a pointed reply from President Joe Biden. To be able to have a Congress that can't function is just embarrassing. We're the greatest nation in the world. How can that be? After all this drama, the House paralyzed and leaderless. Lawmakers adjourned for a few hours to try and break the impasse, but McCarthy says no deal yet. I, I don't think voting tonight is productive. I think uh, that people work a little more. Tonight, McCarthy said progress was made, not enough to take another vote. So they'll try again Thursday, hoping third time's the charm.
Omar? We'll see what happens. The standoff continues. Joy Melvin in Washington tonight. Joy, thanks. There is encouraging news for the young Buffalo Bills player who suffered a devastating injury Monday night. Even though DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition, his recovery is moving in a positive direction and the incident putting a critical spotlight on what to do in similar emergencies. John Venavelli Rao reports. So many are trying to find ways to show support for Hamlin, from Niagara Falls being bathed in blue, along with football stadiums, to fans gathering outside the hospital. Well, I'm just here to pay my respects to the family. As for Hamlin's condition, his team, the Bills, wrote DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement. According to Hamlin's uncle, he's sedated on a ventilator. But doctors say his oxygen levels have gotten better. So certainly we're pulling for DeMar. Uh hoping for the most positive outlook. To Millions were watching Monday when the bill's safety collapsed following a tackle. With everybody watching, praying, and hoping for the best. The 24-year-old's heart stopped, medics rushing in to perform CPR. An NFL executive today broke down as he thanked first responders. You gave our brother DeMar another day to live, another chance to fight. The incident has put a spotlight on cardiac arrests. 35,000 Canadians suffer from one every year, while only one in 10 survive. The Heart and Stroke Foundation estimates just 10% of Canadians know how to perform life-saving CPR, hoping more will now seek training. Certainly now with our ambulance wait times, um, it's, it's more important than ever that, that bystanders step in because the chance of survival decreases so quickly. Uh, you will see signs. So I'm also reminding people to look out for AEDs or automated defibrillators which are easy to use. Hamlin's friends say he'd want some good to come from his situation. DeMar would want to use this to help other people. He would hate for all his attention to just be on him and there not be a positive outcome. Asked if he'll ever play football again, Hamlin's high school coach said this. Well, if there is a road, a path, a chance, DeMar will find it. That is what he has done up until this point. The Heart and Stroke Foundation, meanwhile, says it can take just a few minutes to learn basic CPR, which can more than double someone's odds of survival. Omar. So important. John, thank you. There is growing international concern tonight that China is concealing the real impact of the COVID crisis. The World Health Organization is warning the strain spreading in the country and which has already arrived in Canada is the most transmissible yet. CTV's senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor reports. An overflowing hospital ward in Shanghai suggests a problem greater than China will admit. An estimated 37 million Chinese are being infected every day. But the World Health Organization thinks Beijing isn't being upfront about the true extent of the spread. We continue to ask China for more rapid, regular, reliable data on hospitalizations and deaths. China insists it has been providing regular data updates and further claims it's on the verge of defeating COVID. A government spokesperson accused the U.S. of politicizing the pandemic and lashed out against new testing requirements for travelers arriving by air from China imposed by Canada, the U.S., Italy and Japan, now also under active consideration by all European Union member countries. We take the measures that we believe are justified in line with uh, the uh, evolution of the situation uh, in China. But as China struggles, it's the rapid spread of a new strain of Omicron that's causing concern. We also do not have an indication that severity has changed with XBB.1.5, but that is something that we are watching very closely. 
XBB 1.5 is the most transmissible subvariant yet, accounting for 40% of new cases in the United States. We're likely to see this one increase um, and compete with other uh, viruses. Um, other strains, other subvariants as well. The Public Health Agency of Canada has recorded 21 cases. XBB 1.5 could become the dominant variant. The impact on people and the, the severity of disease is still largely unknown, but there's no evidence right now that it's a more severe disease. Beginning tomorrow, Canada will require air passengers arriving from China to present negative COVID tests. Many experts, though, don't believe that will do much to keep new strains of the virus out of the country. Omar. All right, Glenn, thank you. There was somber silence today at the funeral of a rookie constable with the Ontario Provincial Police, gunned down while on duty. Thousands of first responders joined the family of Constable Greg Prashala to pay their final respects. His siblings remembered the 28-year-old as a man of honour. Greg died a hero, and he lived as an inspiration. I may have not said it often, but I love you, Greg, and you'll always be my big brother. He was always doing challenging things that he was afraid of, but courage, it's not about never being afraid. It's about doing the right thing despite being afraid. Prashala was shot dead in an ambush two days after Christmas. He had just passed probation. The former head of the Roman Catholic Church, Benedict XVI, will be laid to rest tomorrow with a procession and prayers led by his successor. More than 60,000 people are expected to converge at the Vatican. CTV's chief international correspondent, Paul Workman, on the preparations for the papal funeral. Pope Francis, showing his own frailty in old age, held his regular Wednesday audience just a short distance from where the man he replaced was lying in state. The Vatican's daily routine largely undisturbed by Benedict's death. Beginning his audience with generous praise for Benedict, who for nearly a decade was the other pope in his life. He was a man of acute and gentle thought, said Francis. Before an audience of pilgrims, among them a row of newlyweds, overjoyed at having their marriages blessed. This couple came from Germany, a heritage shared with Pope Benedict. He was a great man, so we are really honored to be here and to say goodbye to him. Among the faithful, Benedict was a towering intellectual, yet deeply polarizing. Best remembered, perhaps, as the Pope who quit. Thanks for your time. It's good to see That's you. not at all true, says Canadian Cardinal right Thomas Collins, who was appointed by Benedict. I think that's probably the least important thing he did. Really? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's rather spectacular. It hadn't been done for 600 years, but in the Catholic Church, 600 years is really, it's really not, not very much, you know, <laughs> blink of an eye. As Pope, Benedict inherited a church in full crisis over sexual abuse with more critics than defenders. Did that destroy his papacy? Is that fair to say? No, not at all. Not the slightest. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, the filth in the church, which he, which he did so much to get rid of, uh, uh, you know, he booted out of the priesthood some filth, filthy priest. That's a phrase he used. Yeah, the filth. filth in the church. 
kryptonite in a papal ritual, Benedict's body was placed in a series of three coffins, two of wood and one of zinc, in preparation for tomorrow's funeral. The outer coffin will then be sealed and tomorrow buried in the same crypt once occupied by Pope John Paul II, fulfilling a request made by Benedict before he died, Omar. Paul Workman at the Vatican tonight. Paul, thank you. An Oscar-winning actress has been released on bail in Iran after being arrested last month for supporting anti-government protesters. Friends and family gathered to greet Taraneh Alidustani outside Tehran's notorious Evin prison. She had posted a picture on social media without a headscarf and condemned the first execution of a protester. Hundreds have been killed and thousands arrested since demonstrations erupted four months ago following the death of Masa Amini. A city about a half hour north of Montreal is at the center of a $200,000 lawsuit by the province's Human Rights Commission on behalf of a black man who has been stopped over a dozen times by police and claims he is being racially profiled. Your CTV's Montreal Bureau Chief Geneviève Beauchemin. Pierre-Marcel Monsanto has collected one traffic ticket after another. Police even pulled him over twice in a single day. They are driving on the opposite side. And they just look at me and make a U-turn. Monsanto says he's now afraid to get behind the wheel and filed 15 complaints regarding stops by the Terban police from 2018 to 2021. Officers repeatedly ask about his car registered under his wife's name. They said to me, are you allowed to drive this vehicle? Can you call this person to make sure that you are, you are allowed to do this? And in that same time frame, police ran Monsanto's license plate through their database 83 times. Quebec's Human Rights Commission studied Monsanto's complaints and concluded this is harassment and systemic discrimination. It has filed a lawsuit on behalf of Monsanto, asking for $170,000 from the city of Terrebonne and a total of $35,000 from 18 of its police officers. The Terban police force did not reply to a request for comment. It serves a population of around 200,000 people on the north shore of Montreal, a suburb that has grown increasingly diverse just over the past two decades. On my dash cam, you passed me, so that means you saw me because I was black. Police have faced a series of complaints from black drivers about profiling over the past five years. It's not about being stopped, being arrested, being fined, but feeling unwanted, feeling uh, being second-class citizens. The Human Rights Commission says Terban needs to train its officers and collect race-based data. But many other departments across the country face similar complaints. And in October, a landmark Quebec court ruling struck down laws allowing random police stops, calling the checks a safe conduit for racial profiling. Quebec is appealing that decision, but those fighting racial profiling say Monsanto's case is an example of why laws need to change. Omar. Genevieve, thank you. Coming up, a sacred celebration. Everybody will see our beautiful colors. Clothing, culture, and an unbreakable connection. Plus... Canada versus the U.S. at a high-stakes hockey matchup. A 10-year-old who was shamed at a place where she should have felt safest has now become a symbol of pride. Today marked the first ever National Ribbon Skirt Day, a chance to learn about Indigenous culture and traditions. 
And as CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief Jill Makishan explains, it's all because of a young girl determined not to let discrimination silence her. About three hours north of Regina at Koti First Nation is one of Canada's largest celebrations for National Ribbon Skirt Day. And the girl who inspired the movement. It makes me feel like nobody is ashamed of who they are anymore and they can all stand in pride as, as a nation. Just over two years ago, Isabella Kulak wore a ribbon skirt to a formal day at school. She was told her outfit wasn't suitable. The school division later apologized, but by then her story had sparked a movement, as women wore their ribbon skirts in solidarity then and again today. January 4th is now recognized as a day to learn about Indigenous culture, ceremony and history and shine a light on discrimination and racism. I'm standing here with my grandchildren and with my colleagues and with um, non-Indigenous people wanting to know and wanting to learn. So to me, there's hope. The ribbon skirt dates back centuries. Each is unique. Each has different meaning, sometimes worn for strength and protection. And it gives us that um, our spiritual connection to our identity. In Winnipeg, where police recently announced the murders of four Indigenous women by an alleged serial killer, this day a show of strength. It's very empowering, you know, considering how much tragedy we've had in Winnipeg. This is another reason why we pulled together so quickly to celebrate this day. Across the country, National Ribbon Skirt Day is a thread tying together Indigenous culture and pride. Jill Makishan, CTV News, Winnipeg. The mastermind behind the biggest college admissions fraud in the U.S. has been sent to three and a half years in jail. Rick Singer, a former admissions consultant, took millions of dollars from rich parents to falsify athletic records and secure seats for their children in top schools. Dubbed Operation Varsity Blues, the sprawling scheme was unearthed in 2019 and also sent several celebrities to prison for paying bribes. Singer got the most time of anyone involved in the case, but less than the six years prosecutors wanted. The workforce fueling online giant Amazon is about to shrink. An online post from the retailer's CEO says they're planning to slash 18,000 jobs, 8,000 more than they previously flagged. Also today, cloud-based software firm Salesforce said it too will cut about 8,000 positions, about 10 percent of its workforce. Mass layoffs in the tech sector are continuing as fears of a recession this year intensify. Still ahead, a cliffside crime scene, a dramatic rescue, and a driver charged with attempted murder. A stunning turn tonight in a California crash that saw a family's car plunge off a cliff. Incredibly, all of them survived. Police now say the father will be charged with attempted murder and child abuse once he's released from hospital. Police say Dhamresh Patel, a Pasadena radiologist, intentionally drove his Tesla off the cliff south of San Francisco. It fell 91 meters onto the rocks near the water below. His wife and two young children were also injured. He had four survivors in a collision where there shouldn't have been any survivors. It took emergency crews three hours to rescue the family from the wreckage. 
A far less critical mission for crews in Kelowna, B.C., who are working on what's turned into a natural sculpture of breathtaking beauty. See if you can guess what it is. Under all of this ice and snow is a chairlift at Big White Ski Resort. It could take a couple more days to clear it all. And now to a sport that thrives on ice in the battle for a World Junior Hockey Championship in Halifax. Dean moves in. Adam Fantilli's second period goal gave Canada the lead for good, and they went on to beat the U.S. 6-2 in tonight's semifinal game. The Canadians go for gold tomorrow night against the Czechs. Fingers crossed. After the break, the art of activism. A Halifax teenager blazing an incredible trail. We leave you tonight with a Halifax teenager's fight to create change using the power of her words and her voice as her weapons. Here's CTV's Atlantic Bureau Chief, Chris Najkate. So come on up, Damini. At only 15 years old, Damini Awoyiga is already an inspiration. She's everything and anything she desires to be. She is a visionary. Through her spoken word poetry, writing and acting, she uses her voice. She, a force, a revolution. To highlight her Nigerian-Canadian identity and bring awareness to social justice issues. Being a girl, a black girl, and also feminism and womanism and also about like finding yourself. In school, she says she experienced racism and bullying, those moments now fueling her to teach in the community. Just write, write, write. And, and then usually I'll edit them and turn them into something that can be presented to other people. During the pandemic, she shared her love for sewing and fashion to make hundreds of face masks with African designs through her business, The Mini Creatives. The person that she is, the woman that she's becoming, she's such a generous spirit. Poet and professor L. Jones has been mentoring Awoyiga and remembers her fearlessly performing when she was just 10. I love She went up on this stage in front of 400, 500 girls and read this poem. And it was just, I thought she was just so brilliant. That fearlessness has never left her, even giving us an impromptu sample of her singing. I won't be silent. Awoyiga won't stop working towards her dreams, setting her sights on becoming Halifax's next poet laureate. Kristen Ashkate, CTV News, Halifax. We will be keeping an eye on her incredible talent. And that is a snapshot of this Wednesday from all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching and see you tomorrow. Good night. Five crucial questions to expose the truth. Who's at risk? What needs to change? When will justice be done? There was actually a plot to kill you. Where's the proof? Why did this happen? Watch W5 Saturdays at 7 on CTV.